What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I have to ask you a question. How is your summer bod looking? Because the beaches are open, sun is shining, and below the belt must be tamed. And our friends over at Manscaped have the best tools for the family jewels to get those things looking beach bod ready. And be sure to check out everything they have at manscaped.com, including the perfect razor, the lawnmower 3.0. It has a 90 minute battery life. It has uh, skin safe technology. It has an LED light to keep everything illuminated. It's waterproof. The list goes on and on about the lawnmower 3.0. And that's just their razor that they have. They also have the crop preserver, the crop reviver, and you can get all of this in one package, and it's so perfect, it's called the Perfect Package 3.0 from Manscaped. And guys, to top it all off, you can get 20% off and free shipping if you use the code DNVR20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off your entire purchase with free shipping at manscaped.com using that magical code DNVR20. So make sure to check out Manscaped, get the Lawnmower 3.0, get the Perfect Package 3.0, and throw in the Shears 2.0 nail kit at manscaped.com, code DNVR20. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the courage from mile high, the best part of the weekend, hugging the they become a friend Having a good time when the orange and blue W-I-N Tuning in every day with the good folks down at DNVR Welcome, welcome, welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this fired up bum talk Friday. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. And before we get and to what is going to be a fiery show, I can guarantee it. Got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is right here in our backyard, but the great thing about it is no matter if you're in Denver, if you're outside of Colorado, if you're outside of the United States, you can take advantage of everything that MSU Denver has to offer. They have over 750 classes and 40 online and hybrid programs for you to take advantage of. So make sure to go to msudenver.edu slash online to see all they have to offer. Whether you want to take one class, whether you want to earn a degree, or whether you want to finish a degree, msudenver.edu slash online is the place to do it. So check them out. My boy, Mace, happy Friday, feel good Friday, and boy, I'm feeling good rolling with you today. How are you doing? Ah, uh, you know what? I've been better, actually. I uh, was just having to clear my throat a little bit there that you couldn't hear on the podcast, fortunately. If you're wondering why I put the mute feature on and you have to yell muted at some point in the podcast, it's because, you know, I don't want everybody hearing whatever weird noises are coming from this end and uh, while you were doing those reads I felt like uh, not quite like I had to barf up a lung but uh, oh jeez had to uh, as the as was said in a in a song a long time ago 
let me clear my throat. Well, maybe we'll get uh, we'll get some some bites of what uh, what you're coughing up throughout the show, Mace. <laughs> I hope not. I and, hope and, not. And maybe you'll give me an opportunity to say muted in my fun way that I love to do. We'll see. <laughs> uh, yeah, you live for me. You're even saying it when I've unmuted. I've, I've turned off the mute. You're still saying the mute just because you're in there. I don't know. The, the tape yesterday uh, said a different story. I don't know about that. I think, I think the problem is it's the delay. So, like, there's always a little bit of a delay when we're on Zoom, and I'm like, wait, you know what? I've turned off my mute. Why are you getting on me because I muted here? So, <laughs> uh. Well, we, we have fun with that, and may something that may get us fired up. I don't know. May, maybe not. You found an article on ESPN.com that talked about it ranked every position across the league. And the Broncos, where did they come in, Mace? How did they stack up? What did you think of these rankings? All right. Well, it's from Mike Clay, who uh, specializes in fantasy work, but he loves to go and rank the teams, rank uh, position groups, et cetera. We've discussed his work before. He's actually been uh, pretty optimistic about the Broncos, about them being a playoff team, a wild card team, yes, but he expects them to be a playoff team. Playoffs? So, yeah, playoffs. I guess I'll be win a, win a game. Playoffs. The funny thing is, those Colts of 2001 did win another game. It was against the Broncos in the last oh. week of the season. Yikes. A game that a, a lot of people thought was going to be Mike Shanahan's last as head coach of the Broncos because it looked like he was going to go take the job at the University of Florida. Yeah. He backed out. True story. On the flight home after that game in January of 2002, there were a few players who were toasting the departure of Mike Shanahan. Like they were toasting to Mike or they were toasting to each other? Each other. Oh, wow. Those players probably weren't around for much longer. Uh, probably not. You're <laughs> right there. But at the same time, it just goes to show that uh, everybody can wear thin after a while in the NFL. It's one of those interesting things. Anyway, so – he goes through the position groups, ranks, the, ranks them all 1 through 32. And there are some interesting rankings. First of all, Zach, let me ask you this. Hmm. Of the 10 position groups that he ranks, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, O-line, interior defensive line, edge rusher, linebacker, cornerback safety, which of those do you think the Broncos are going to be ranked the lowest at? Quarterback. That'd be my guess. You, you are correct, sir. Yes. <laughs> 28th. Ooh, bottom uh, five for Drew, huh? Ahead of only the Chargers, Panthers, Jaguars, and Bears. Boy, oh boy, no love for Gardner Minshew. <laughs> no love for Teddy Bridgewater. Boy, they must think, or Mike Clay must think, that that was a terrible signing to give him 20-plus million. Yeah, that is really really interesting. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, of course, I mean, for the Saints in that system, I think it's going to be interesting to see if he can somehow uh, replicate that playing somewhere else. But yes, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, am I the only one who thinks Gardner Minshew, by the way, is going to be better than a lot of people think? I, I love Gardner. I'm not. You know, you know how we say, don't doubt Drew Locke and don't, 
don't doubt uh, Philip Lindsay. That's how I feel about Gardner Minshew. I do too. I, I, it's really weird. I, I, I'm not saying he's going to be an elite quarterback, okay? I, I don't want to have it be confused that way. I just think that he's going to be pretty good at times. Again, I, a few days ago, it came across my Twitter feed. Someone had posted some clips of him against the Broncos last year when he, le- when he led the Jaguars back and it led them in the second half. And remember that touchdown pass that he had where he kind of he darted forward, do- dart, fell back, dodged a couple of pass rushers, and then, and then, and then hit, the, and hit his receiver in the end zone for a touchdown? Yep. There's no many guys that could pull off something like that. Right. So. Yeah, the pocket awareness and movement was impressive. The feel for the pass rush. I mean, that's something that's really impressive. And, uh, and you know, he had a 91.2 rating when all was said and done, 21 touchdowns and six picks. So, yeah, I think people <laughs> are sleeping impressive. on Gardner. Yeah, I think people are sleeping on Gardner Minshew a little bit. That's my point. Now, the Broncos get back there. They're 28. They are also regarded as the unit to watch. And here's what Mike Clay writes. Quote, Drew Locke is one of the biggest X factors in the league this season. Denver's Vic Fangio-led defense is loaded. And general manager John Elway has added a full arsenal of weapons for Locke in his second season. If the 2019 second-round pick proves a capable NFL starter, Denver will cruise to a playoff berth. If not, the Broncos will be looking elsewhere for a quarterback next offseason. Mike, Mike, I wasn't upset with, your, with putting Drew as a bottom-five quarterback. I wasn't because I'm used to it. But that explanation fires me up. That, that upsets me because you, you, you say he's a bottom five quarterback. Say why he's bad. You can't be a bottom five quarterback and, and then write good things and write, oh, if he's good, he'll be a, he'll be a playoff team. No, if you want to put him bottom five, crush him. And you can't put someone bottom five if you're not going to crush him. So that explanation peeves me. It, it, there. With that explanation, Drew should be like 22 and say he's unproven, but he has the talent and potential in what he showed last year, where if he hits this year, he could be a top 10 quarterback and the Broncos will easily be a playoff team. But bottom five with that explanation, Mace, I hate it. 22, by the way, if you're wondering where that would put him, 22 would be where the Rams sit right now with Jared Goff, who... Maybe a pro- is a product of the system, yes, but he's still taking a team to a Super Bowl. But here are the, te- the, the teams that are around 22. 20 is New England. New England. With what? Cam Newton coming off of multiple injuries and Jarrett Stidham completely unproven. 21 is the Giants with Daniel Jones, who I think there are some similar questions about in regards to his outlook as there are for Drew Locke, except Daniel Jones fumbles the ball a lot more. Mace, I uh, – 23 I talk- is Buffalo. 24 – and then you get into teams with rookie quarterbacks. 24, Miami. 25, the Bengals. Tua wow. and Joe Burrow, who've wow. shown – you know, it's oh, – it's fascinating. It's like he doesn't quite want to believe in Drew Locke. Says that he's intriguing. Refers to – later in the article said – that Locke is one of the biggest wild cards in the league. <laughs> then put him up there. If you think he's a wild card, that means you think he's talented. Again, I'm not saying top 10. I'm not even saying top 15. 
if this is a preseason kind of ranking. You're not even projecting. But gosh, you can't be a bottom five quarterback and be one of the biggest wild cards in the league. I, I think that's, uh, that's garbage. So I hate the reasoning there, Mike. Mm, yeah. At least they're not the Bears. The Bears are 32. No, yikes. Now, what's interesting is he puts the Bears down low because, quote, we know what we're getting with Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky, unquote. The Super Bowl MVP? <laughs> I mean, what he says is I don't like that reasoning either. Underwhelming, inconsistent, and perhaps poor efficiency. If if you're giving Jared Goff the nod for going to a Super Bowl and he gets a benefit of the doubt, so he gets to be 22, then how is Nick Foles the Super Bowl MVP? A guy that won the Super Bowl, a guy that is maybe he's not good in regular season, but he's clutch as can be. How is he the worst? I get Mitchell Trubisky putting the Bears at 32, but they did add Nick Foles. Yeah, they and well Foles, as Mike Clay points out, was benched in in favor of Gardner Minshew. Yeah. So I think what it is is this with Nick Foles and the Bears being 32. Mike Clay doesn't believe in Gardner Minshew. (laughs) Mike Clay doesn't believe that Minshew magic is going to have an encore. It's true. My question for you is if, if, if Minshew magic doesn't or does have an encore and the Jags aren't as terrible as people think they could be, Who's the number one pick this coming year? Who is going to be the team that is that bad? Because when I look around the league, the only team that that screams that to me, there's two, is the Jags, if Minshew doesn't live up to it, and the Redskins, just because of everything. Or I should say the Washington football team. Sorry about that. There there is no team with that name anymore. And that's a You can get the merchandise. NFL shop you can get there you can get the Washington football team gear I'm waiting for a pennant by the way to add to my collection (laughs) I think that they really quick I think they shouldn't change their name from that I think they should just be the unicorn the unique team that goes by it like a soccer club you know the Washington football team and then what happens is a new nickname develops organically like with you know like Chelsea for example in in England, the Blues, you know, yeah. Let a nickname kind of develop on its own. See, and and I I, I like the branding that they have right now. Obviously, it's weird not to have a mascot or anything to be able to point to. But I say be the be the weird unicorn. But anyways, Mace, who's the number one? Who, who what team is bad enough? To get that, because when I look around, I see I don't see a lot of great teams, but I don't see a lot of bad teams outside of those two. And what if Alex Smith comes back and he plays to Alex Smith's level? What if Dwayne Haskins takes a little step up so that so it's not a terrible quarterback situation? Is it one of those two teams, or is it is there someone else I'm missing? Well, I could see Cincinnati oh, pushing yikes. for it. Then what do they do? Draft Trevor? Trade Joe? No, they. I think they trade down. And I think at that point there's tons in return. Yeah, if Cincinnati goes, and I, I think this could be a year where you see a bad team that doesn't have the worst record. I mean, I, I, or they have the worst record in the league, but doesn't have like a two and fourteen or one and fifteen type of record. I think this is a year where you could see the worst team be at three and thirteen, 
maybe even four and 12. I agree. Um, so I look at the Bengals, the Jets. Hmm. With CJ Mosley opting out, with yeah. Jamal Adams traded. Now, that being said, this was a team that was a, a 500 team with Sam Darnold. Somehow, some way, right. when Darnold was in the lineup last year, they, they played 500 ball. They played competitive ball for the most part. Right. And that, that was my reason not for choosing, for thinking the Jets will be bad, is because Sam actually did some good things with them. Yeah. Of course, then there's the notion of Bill Belichick playing chess to get that number one overall pick, having opt-outs galore on defense. Maybe Cam Newton is unhealthy. I, I actually think if the Patriots, if Cam isn't healthy and Jared Stidham is a bust, they're the team that pushes to have the worst record. <laughs> and that would just make the rest of the NFL – face palm shake their head be so disgusted because that means trevor lawrence for the next two decades and heck maybe bill sticks around till he's 90 oh if that happens belichick sticks around until he has at least one super bowl title with trevor lawrence if that happens I agree. He gets at least one ring with Trevor, kind of to say, okay, I've got this back. I'm going to walk away. Yep. I have more rings without Brady than Brady has without me. Which I could see because I think, actually, I honestly think that Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, it ends up a lot like Joe Montana in Kansas City. Okay. The team gets better, maybe even has a deep playoff run once, but doesn't get over the hump. I don't think Tom Brady in Tampa, Tampa Bay, ends with the Bucks hoisting their second Lombardi trophy. I don't I, see it. I prefer Tampa Brady. <laughs> Mace, you're just tempering your expectations because that's your team. You don't have to worry. Uh, it, it, it'll be Broncos, Bucks in the Super Bowl this year and the following year. Yeah, if it, were th- if it happened this year, great the one year where probably nobody's going to be able to go to the game and it's in Tampa. It'd be like, Oh, did it have to happen this year? The once of a lifetime matchup for me, did it have to happen? Then again, I guess it's, it's too much to ask. I've already covered a, a Super Bowl involving the teams that I worked for the Panthers and Broncos back in Super Bowl 50. And I actually, there's a lot of gear and such that I have from that game that has both team logos mm. intentionally. Cause I'm like, this is never going to happen again. Yeah. That's awesome. Favorite. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Special. We, we didn't even get past quarterbacks. We, we went sidetracked in a good way though. <laughs> yeah. It's fired up Friday here. So exactly. Oh yeah. That's actually a good question though. Like who ends up being, who ends up being the worst team? I mean, Man, I don't think you can look past the Patriots. I think you're right, Mace. They got to be in the conversation. I think another important thing that you said, you put a number on it, but it was kind of what I was saying. I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, a couple team tie with the number one pick or with the worst record at, at four wins, which would actually be a lot for the number one pick. And then it gets into the strength of schedule tiebreaker. And oh my goodness, if that's if, or, okay, let me give you the, the craziest scenario here. 
you have to decide the number one overall pick on a coin flip. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Could you imagine, imagine that at the combine next year, whatever form it takes on, if college football season gets pushed into the spring and everything goes belly up and they're trying to rearrange everything and they're having that coin flip one morning in Indianapolis, or if we're all still doing things remotely, we're having that coin flipping. You've got, and you've got say someone from the jets and someone from the Patriots and they're sitting there. Oh man. And interdivision one too. Oh, that would be, that would be great. If that happened, if it was a Jets Patriots coin flip, the Patriots are going to win. <laughs> yes, they certainly will. <laughs> I have absolutely no doubt because that just fits in with the history of those two franchises. Of course, Bill Belichick briefly the head coach of the Jets, and then writing yeah. down, I resign as HC of the NYJ. I wish that <laughs> note were saved somewhere that should be in canton that should that should be behind glass at the pro football hall of fame wait the moment they changed the entire complexion of the sport i resigned as hc of the nyj wait he wrote a note to do it yeah and did he just drop it off in the general manager's office and walk out yeah it was it was bill parcells that he'd be dropping it off with right because parcells had decided to step aside as coach and the plan was for Bill Belichick to take his place. The funny thing is all this is going on when players are check having their end of season checkout. And so like, it's funny. I've talked with Steve Atwater about this because Steve Atwater, as much as he hates to admit it was a New York jet. And <laughs> he told me that they had kind of their end of the season meeting and you know, Bill Belichick was kind of really quiet, like he was, like he was hiding something, like, you know, because everyone in that building believed that if and when Parcells left, Bill Belichick would get the job. That okay. was the plan. Okay. It was going to be seamless. Parcells would be the GM. Belichick would be the head coach. Everything would move on. They thought it would be smooth sailing. Not so it much. Out that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? So, yeah. Oh, boy. But, yeah, that, that's a good point, Zach. You look around and say, okay, there's not a lot of obvious candidates. So, honestly, I start looking at teams that are affected by opt-outs. Okay. Because you say, all right, if, they're, if they have key opt-outs, that means you've already forced some backups into the lineup. You've already started compromising the depth. The, dem- the dominoes have started to fall. And so that's why I look at the Patriots and I look at the Jets. And the other thing with the Jets, I think it may make them a better candidate than the Patriots to have the worst record overall, even with Sam Darnold, who I think is generally headed in the right direction. But if the Jets have a season like this, he might get caught up in the tsunami a little bit. And he may have to move on. Clearly, the Jets aren't happy with Adam Gase. Clearly, there's a disconnect between Gase and his players. So if they get off to a bad start, does this thing just get completely out of control? Yeah, very well could. Wouldn't be surprised. Anyway, so that's enough talk about that. (laughs) Let's just go through some of the other positions really quick that Mike Clay touched on. Sorry to get sidetracked. That's what happens sometimes here in the podcast format. Running backs, where do you think the Broncos rank out of 32? Running backs, 32, 
top 10 all go, not where I would put them, two pro bowlers, five. Eight. Eight. With two pro who, – who's ahead of them? Cleveland. Okay, with Chubb. Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yeah, okay, okay. The Giants, Saquon. Yeah, yeah, okay. The Panthers, C-Mac. Yeah, yeah, okay. The Cowboys, Zeke. Yeah, yeah, okay. Vikings, Dalvin Cook. Huh, plus knowing Gary, well, also knowing Gary Kubiak, he'll okay. find a way to get okay. production out of that position, even if Dalvin Cook isn't healthy. I'm not surprised Dalvin's ahead of the Broncos. I'm surprised that if you were reading these in order, that he's ahead of some of those other names. Okay, yeah. Number six is New Orleans. Tomorrow, okay. All right. And then number seven, you get to the Green Bay Packers. Now, of course, last year, Aaron Jones, over 1,000 yards, 4.6 yards per carry, okay. 16 touchdowns. Okay. What rushing. about receiving? Aaron Jones had three receiving touchdowns, 49 catches, 474 yards. Okay. Okay. I'm not in love with Aaron Jones. I need to see it, uh, see it more, but – I guess those stats kind kind of back it up. And Aaron Jones, maybe the first guy on that list where you're saying not a superstar, but I think also people would say that the Broncos don't have a superstar. So I, I guess that's okay. You can get nitpicky with one or two spots there with the Broncos, but I guess it's okay. What what you can argue is the depth is uh, the Broncos' depth is pretty darn good. Well, don't forget, Jamal Williams is, a, is also a good relief back to Aaron Jones. That's true. Jamal Williams actually had five touchdown catches last year. Wow. 6.5 yards a catch, 39 receptions, 253 yards. So I actually don't disagree with where the Broncos are. I think eighth is fair. Now, I think so too. what could improve that? I, you know what? One skill set, one improved skill set in that room improves the Broncos ranking from eight. And that's Philip Lindsay as a pass catcher. Right. Right. I agree. Now, Mace, who are the two teams just behind them? Nine and 10. Cincinnati and Tennessee. So again, they're ranking the units, not just one player. And that's why, even though you're talking about the Titans with Derrick Henry being 10th, I think this is actually a fair ranking for the Titans. Oh man. Oh man. If I'm the Titans, I think I'm pissed. Because Derrick Henry has proven he doesn't really need depth, uh, at least the past couple of years, once they've well, actually there, started using him. Well, there you go. They can have We Get Mad Monday in week one. About <laughs> exactly. They... I mean, to be fair, Derrick Henry's <laughs> going to have to have a better week one than he did last year against the Broncos. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and a better performance against what should be a better defense. Man, this this gonna be some this gonna be some fireworks in week one. I can't I can't wait for the first time Jarrell Casey tackles Derrick Henry oh, in that man. game. <laughs> I can't either. Although Derrick Henry's about the size of Jarrell Casey, which is I mean, he's actually Von Miller's size, which is absolutely insane. Man, that's gonna be some smash mouth football. Yeah, by the way, the Bears ranking 32nd in quarterbacks, according to Mike Clay, are also 32nd in running oh, back. yikes. Yikes. Oh, man. Oh, no, no love for David Montgomery coming off of his, uh, his rookie season. No love for Tariq Cohen either. Although, 
that I think the Bears are really failing to maximize Tariq Cohen. I've been one of the disappointing things, the disappointing aspects of the Bears last year, besides their record, was the fact that I think Matt Nagy, even though he didn't have the greatest quarterback situation, I think he's been poorly using some of the talent at his disposal. Yeah. All right, wide wide receivers, Zach. Where do you think the Denver Broncos rank? Um, boy. Ta- very talented, but barely, I mean, no experience outside of Cortland Sutton. I'm going to go, I'm just going to split the difference. I'll go 16, right? The league average. And again, I'm very guessing good. what he says. Okay. Where are they? Very good. That is number 16, just oh. behind the Rams, just ahead of the Chargers. So a little bit of a SoCal sandwich. Okay. Around the Broncos there midway through. And you know what? That's fair. Yeah. Because I think even though you have a lot of confidence in Jerry Judy and his future, right now you've got a proven number one in Cortland Sutton and young guys. Question end list. Truly end list outside of guys that have done anything in the league. Right. So now that being said, what's interesting is that you have, you have Dallas number one. Of course, they did pick C.D. Lamb. But the thing is, both Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup have proven themselves. If yeah. Tim Patrick or Deshaun Hamilton had played at a high level, you'd be talking about the Broncos pushing there. Right now, not yet. So, man, I, I mean, yes, Dallas has a good receiving core. There's no doubt about it. But – for the best receiving core in the league, that's not one that tickles my fancy. I don't know. I mean, Amari, Amari is a legit wide receiver one. And Michael Gallup had over 16 yards of catch last year and was over 1,000 yards. And I guess you got to give them that they had to play with Dak Prescott. You got to give them that bump. And C.D. Lamb. Yeah. I, I mean, the, que- the, the question is, where do you put the Cardinals? They oh. rank third. Or Tampa Bay with both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Now, that being said, Evans and Godwin, they're a great one, too. But then you throw what you expect C.D. Lamb to be compared to what the Bucks have as the wide receiver three. Then you say, okay, yeah, there's a point here. So is Tampa Bay two? Tampa Bay is number two, yes. Okay, okay. And well, Arizona's well, three. What's the top five rounded out? Cincinnati is four. Cleveland is five. Cincinnati? Yikes. Well, I mean, do you believe it in AJ Green and his ability to bounce back? I mean, he he didn't play at all last year, right? Right. Tyler Tyler Boyd was a a good possession receiver. What and who's five? Uh Cleveland? Uh I mean, on the field, give me Cleveland and Heartbeat, but there is some yeah. off the field stuff there too. Yeah. I don't know about Cincinnati as four, although again, like I said, Tyler Boyd kind of under the radar, pretty, pretty good. So tight end, where do you think the Broncos rank? Okay. And this is uh, taking into account depth as well, right? Uh-huh. Yes. Well, I would put them one, but since they cut Jeff Hireman, I'm going to go, ah. I'm going to go number 12. Pardon me. 15th. 15th. Okay. So they, they have, he has to be kind of doing the thing with wide receivers, what he's doing with the receivers on the Broncos saying talent, but unproven. 
Yeah, although uh, it's he's kind of emphasizing the top guy because number one, Philadelphia. Now they do go too deep because they have, of course, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. No arguments there. San Francisco two with George Kittle, Kansas City three with Travis Kelsey. Okay. But if you're talking about the unit, Tampa Bay has OJ Howard, Cameron Brayton, of course Gronk. Yeah, they're fourth. Yeah, they should be one. <laughs> That's the deepest tight end room I've ever heard of. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is it, and, and it's not just Gronk. It is, I guess you could say it's a rusty Gronk if you want to be against him, or you could say it's a fresh Gronk. But it is also a Gronk with Tom Brady and Tom Brady wanted Gronk. And that's important. He's going to make sure Gronk is happy. I guarantee it. Yeah, I, he will. He's going to say, Gronk, it's going to be worth your while to come back and wear oh, yeah. red and pewter with me. Yep. So, Mason, would you say it's fair to say that Cameron Brait could be a number one tight end on, on a few teams? Oh, heck yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. So 100%. You, have, you have a number one tight end. You have a first-round pick in O.J. Howard, and you have the best – I mean, a lot of people say the best tight end ever play, a Hall of Fame tight end in Gronk. Yeah, that, to me, that sounds like the best tight end group in the league. With and the guy that the I think with, is going to utilize him. Yeah, exactly. And I think he's going to utilize all of them. Because, first of all, I don't think Gronk plays 16 games. Very fair. So – O.J. Howard, he's that guy that's just – I think more was expected because he was a first-round pick, but you're disappointed with the only having the one touchdown last year. But yardage-wise, 459 yards, 13.5 yards a catch. I mean, solid. His career, he's got 15.5 yards per reception. He's a, he's a decent player. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so anyway. All right, let's move on to the offensive line. Now, he, this is the ranking that – I think Mike Clay came up with and may want to change in light of what happened this week with the opt-outs. Zach, where do you think Mike Clay has the Broncos O-line? So saying that, I'm actually going to say he was generous to the Broncos offensive line, but he couldn't have been too generous. I'll go, I'll go 15, 15 again, 17, 17. Okay. Now, with Jawan James out of the picture, yeah, is this a top 20 offensive line? No. No, yeah, it, I it's agree. just like the conversations we've had the past two days. You can't have two tackles that are major question marks and have a top 20 offensive line. You can't. Yeah. I, and I think if there is any improvement in terms of what they do in pass protection, if you go by the numbers – from the tackles especially, it's going to be at the feet of Drew Luck. I don't yeah. think it's going to be because of what you have at offensive tackle. There's only so much that Mike Munchak can do. Now, if Lloyd Cushenberry blossoms, the interior should be very good. And yeah. maybe then you're on balance, you're saying, okay, your interior is top 10, yeah. and your tackles are bottom five, bottom six, and it, it evens out. Yeah. But – uh you are just trying to get by. I, I would look, I would feel so much better if you had Cordy Glenner to Mardotson in there. We all feel so much better about this line. Yes. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you, Mason. I think, and, and when I even say that the interior of the offensive line is really good, it is with the caveat of Lloyd Cushenberry stepping up. It's very realistic 
that Lloyd Cushenberry has a typical rookie year and no one can be upset about. And he is like the 20th best center in the league. But you're happy with that because the next year you expect him to be the 12th best center and then the year after that, the seventh best center. That would be a very fair natural progression. But that does mean he's almost in the bottom third of centers this year. Now, your guards, I think... I think they're already top 10 guard duo in the league, if not potentially top five this year, if Dalton continues to take the step that everyone does. So the guard's very good, potentially a little weak at center with a rookie there, and then the tackle's bottom five. So, um, yeah, I think when you average all of that out and you put you weight it where tackles are just more valuable, it, this, is, this is a bottom third offensive line. Yeah. All right, real quick on the defensive side. Interior defensive line. So basically the D line for the Broncos because they're a 314. I'm so you got Jarrell Casey, Shelby Harris, um, and they are doing backups as well. I'm gonna go twelve. Eight. Eight. Okay. Okay. They they they're giving a little more love to uh Shelby than I was expecting. Also the depth there, Draymond Jones. I think you have to factor him in as well as somebody that you're expecting more from. Well, clearly, edge I rushers. think that's a very, I think that's a very fair ranking. Yep, edge rushers. Oh, Bradley Chubb, Vaughn Miller, and of course depth. But two top five picks. I'm going, but Vaughn and Chubb coming off injuries. Six, seven, seven. Okay, and my to be fair, my six was I was trying to discount them more than I even would have. So mm-hmm. seven. Who's who's ahead of them? San Francisco, the Chargers, Browns, Saints, Steelers, Bears. Okay. I mean, with Von Miller. Pretty fair, I think. Yeah, yeah. With Von having eight sacks last year and with Chubb coming off a a devastating injury, that's fair. That's fair. Now, the Broncos could be higher. They could. Off ball linebackers. So basically, we're talking about inside linebackers for the Broncos, looking at Todd Davis and Alexander Johnston, the depth behind them. 18. 10. 10. Whoa, Mike, I'm impressed. I didn't think he was going to give respect to Alexander Johnson, and I thought he was going to put Todd Davis as like a kind of top of the bottom third, but clearly not. He he really believes in AJ. Yeah, that's what I think this is about. If you think Alexander Johnson is going to be a pro bowler, you know what? Top 10. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think so too. I just did not expect Alexander Johnson to be getting national recognition. Did not either. Cornerback. Mm, I'm going to go. Yikes. This is kind of like a. Um, this is just how I view pass rushers because although the talent isn't as good as the Broncos pass rushers, you got a guy coming off a season where he didn't play at all, but is talented. And you got A.J. Boye, uh, who's kind of like Von Miller, obviously not as talented at all, but had a down year last year. I will go 12th, uh, 15th. <laughs> Keep going. 22nd. Oh, no. Yikes. Wow. That is not in the Broncos' plans. The Broncos no. do not have plans for that after investing a third-round pick, a ton of money in Boye, and a decent amount of change on Bryce. Yeah, if this is the second, if the twenty, if this is the second best 
our 22nd best, pardon me, cornerback unit. This team's got some problems. By the way, yeah. you want to know who they have as the best cornerback core in the NFL? I'm going to go with uh, who? Chargers? Chargers. Oh, yeah, that's going to be my guess. <laughs> Ah, so Chris Harris Jr. So Mike Clay saying the Broncos made a mistake. Yeah, he is. Wow. All right. Well, then, according yeah. to Mike Clay, the Chargers should actually be the ones laughing when the Chargers defensive backs have to go up against the Broncos receivers. All right. Now let's talk about safety. Mm, is, this, is this the highest rated group on the Broncos, Mace, according to Mike? It, it has to be has to be top five. Uh, should be one. Should be. I'm gonna guess he put him at three. Five. Five. Who's ahead of them? All right. The the teams ahead of the Broncos are the Vikings, led by yeah. Harrison Smith, of course. Yeah. Buffalo, Seattle, with Jamal Adams now. The yeah. Saints. Okay. Not not in love with that. Um, so what he – man, he's going with star power for those, like you mentioned, uh, some stars in, in those secondaries ahead of him. Yeah, I mean, you've got, for example, um, you got Malcolm Jenkins now with the Saints and, and, and him working with uh, Marcus Williams. So you're talking about that. That's a, that's a good pair. Now, that being said, I have to disagree with having the Broncos below the Saints. I agree. I that's agree. That's my objection here. Man, and again, he, he's going off star power there, uh, and I get how that, that trumps some other things. But, man, you have – I think the Broncos have the best safety pair when you put them together. I agree. I think they have the best tandem. Now, if you are talking about the unit and you are factoring in depth, that is where you can argue that the Broncos take a hit. Because yeah. it's a long, long fall. You lose Cream Jackson or Justin Simmons, and haven't so it's Trey Marshall and then a bunch of guys with no experience. There's no if, Will Parks to save the day this year. No, 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 no. And, and you know what? Now they should have. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know Will Parks want a starting gig and or a better chance to start at least. I still think the Broncos should have paid him three or four million dollars a year especially after what they saw from him as that uh, nickelback basically doing some corner down the stretch. I thought they found a way to use him well last year in the final five games of the season to justify the outlay for Will Parks. Ah, I thought so man. too, especially because I thought he was going to get a three-year $15 million deal from someone. I, and mm -hmm. that, that's obviously not being paid in a, in a huge way, but I thought he was going to get a decent contract to be someone's second best safety on their team. And when he wasn't given that, didn't he get like one year, one and a half million dollars or something from Philly? I mean, it was a nothing contract and I get it was to go home, but I didn't think the Broncos were going to keep Will because I just thought he was going to get way more. But I agree with you, Mace. He would, be a, he would be a great piece to have. Yeah, I'd feel a lot better. So we've gone through the positional rankings. Where do you think the Broncos rank overall? Okay, a lot of middle of the pack ones. So... I'll keep it very much in the middle of the pack. I'll go 16. 19. 19. So they had a bad cornerback unit or a bottom third quarterback cornerback unit. And the offensive line was also kind of there. 
How do they get to nine? How does he get to nineteen? Well, I think there's probably a little more weight given to quarterback than other positions because, for example, if you go through every unit and then take the average of that, mm-hmm. so you'd have say, okay, twenty eighth in quarterback plus eight running back. 16 wide receiver, 15 tight end, O-line 17, and then 8 and 7 for interior defensive line and edge, linebacker 10, cornerback 22, safety 5. That's right. You have an average ranking of 13.6. Okay, there we go. Playoff team there. But maybe just every other team ahead of them stacks up even better than that, but Man, that's interesting. When you average it out, the Broncos are a playoff team. When Mike gives the mm-hmm. weighted categories and really hurts him on the quarterback, you have to assume that's what he's doing. I agree with you, Mace. Then the Broncos are 19. But what's interesting is he said Drew Locke's the biggest wild card. And I think we would kind of all agree with that. If Drew Locke hits, then the Broncos borderline top 10 team in this league. Now, depending on how much he hits, obviously, with it being his first year as a starter. Uh, and if Drew Locke doesn't hit, then yeah, a, you know, borderline bottom yeah. third team. If Drew Locke doesn't hit, man, it's changing everything. We've talked about that. Now, that being said, these 19th ranked Broncos are his team to watch. Oh. And he writes this. Quote, I noted earlier in this piece that quarterback Glock is one of the biggest wild cards in the league this season. The 2019 second-round pick will work behind a solid offensive line. Okay. Uh-huh. Nice, and that's nice. a terrific group of young – solid interior line, I'd agree. And that's a terrific <laughs> group of young weapons led by Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Phil Lindsay, as well as newcomers Melvin Gordon, Jerry Judy, and KJ Hamler. Denver's Vic Fangio-led defense is stacked with talent, especially after Jerome Casey and A.J. Bouye were added to a group that includes Vaughn Miller, Bradley Chubb, Alexander Johnson, Bryce Callahan, Justin Simmons, and Kareem Jackson. The Broncos have major upside this season, but oh. they'll only go as far as their quarterback takes them, such as life in the NFL. Right, I was going to so, say, that, that last line's pretty important. That is the NFL for you. So, you know what? All comes down to quarterback. Yep. No surprise. Yep, and fa- fair assessment. Fair assessment from Mike there. Man, and Mace, kind of to bring this full circle where we got off-road when we were talking quarterbacks. Unfortunately, if Drew Locke doesn't hit, I'm touching wood, I don't think that'll be the case. But if he doesn't hit, this Broncos team is too talented to be in the race for the number one overall pick. Even if the number one overall pick has four wins, which would be a lot for the number one overall pick, Broncos are going to be too good. I, I think truly, truly their floor is five, and that's like a disaster from Drew. Realistically, like a 6-10 and 10 team, and I don't see that happening, but then you're just – you have too good of a team to be awful. I agree, and the interesting thing, Zach, is this team for most of last year – got, you know, shaky quarterbacking from Joe Flacco and Brandon Allen. And they were sitting there at three and eight, which basically has them 
kind of headed for 5-11. and 11. So we've seen that. And, oh, by the way, you take that defense and you figure it should be better by adding Jarrell Casey, bringing Bradley Chubb back, having a scheme fit like A.J. Boy at corner and getting Bryce Callahan back in the mix. Yeah. I actually would say if Drew Locke just strugg- fails to launch, struggles mightily, this team still wins six or seven games. Yeah, I agree. A very unsexy six and ten or seven yeah. and nine type season where you've stolen some 13-10 type wins over yeah. the course of the year. I guess the good news for Broncos fans in that case, because you're looking for a quarterback but you're not getting a top one in the draft, is, boy, you know John Elway is going to make a big move, whether it's in free agency or whether it's a trade. And some people may be happy about it, but, boy, the temptation of Aaron Rodgers would very, very much be out there then. Yeah, and if they do that, then in order to make that happen, you're probably gutting some parts of the roster. You might be gutting that defense to create gap space. If, If Drew Locke does not hit and the Broncos aren't in position to get a quarterback they like, and they do go after Aaron Rodgers, then you know what? You're probably saying goodbye to Jarrell Casey, A.J. Boye, and you're probably not re-signing Justin Simmons. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. But then you think, as tough as that would be, you think about, boy, this guy that people say is very good in Aaron Rodgers. He's got all these weapons now. And remember how many weapons Aaron Rodgers has had around him. Uh, he's thrown one touchdown to a first-round pick. He would have a first-round tight end. He would have a first-round running back. He would have a first-round wide receiver. He would have a second-round wide receiver. And he would have a two Pro Bowl running backs, including Philip Lindsay. Yeah. Oh, oh by the way, and a second-round uh, second wide receiver who's also a Pro Bowler in Colton, Colton Sutton. And a young second-round wide receiver in K.J. Hamler, too. Yep, yep. And, uh, so, and a, yeah. a strong interior offensive line. But you won't have first-round picks to get a tackle. And that's the thing. I hope you're happy with what you have. Yeah. Because, you know what? To pull off that trade, you're probably sacrificing at least a couple of first-round picks. Yep, exactly. So, hope you're happy with the young players that you have because you're not going to be able to supplement that with any first-round picks probably for at least two or three years. So Aaron, That's the cost of getting Aaron Rodgers. You better be so good with this talent that you have that you can win games, especially against the Chiefs, 37-36, to 36, because <laughs> maybe, maybe they'd be able to keep some of their defense for like one year after that, but then you're not going to be able to pay much of that defense at all. Yeah, I hope we're not having this conversation. I, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope not Drew Locke hits and yes. we're not worried about this. But I am fascinated to, to see what the Broncos think if Drew Locke is just okay. Yep. If he maybe even has numbers that in terms of efficiency are a bit down from what they were in 2019. Maybe his passer rating is 85. I mean, it's in that Joe Flacco, Case Keenum, territory oh boy the 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 trigger finger might get a little bit itchy (laughs) it certainly would and mason's conversation has been an absolute blast and since it's a breck brew friday it desperately makes me want to reach for a breck brew even though it's just after 11 a.m but we'll be reaching for some breck brews later this evening especially mace this is uh 
This is our last weekend where you and I get to have a full weekend, likely until January. Heck, maybe even February if the Broncos make it that far. So we'll be reaching for the Breck Brews this weekend. And since it's that Breck Brew Friday, I want you guys to have some Breck Brews. And also, why don't you tweet us some pictures of picking up Breck Brews, whether you're at the farmhouse where you can not only get all of the Breck Brews, but you can get some delicious food from the farmhouse, or whether you're in a different state and you just found that Strawberry Sky 15 pack. You can check out all the great beers they have. Hot Peak, Strawberry Sky, Vanilla Porter Jr. season, of course, with Michael Porter Jr. heating up right now. The Avalanche beer, anything that your taste buds want, Breck Brew can satisfy with the bubblies that they have over there. Strawberry Sky, it is a perfect temperature out there for that tonight. So that's what I'll be going with. And make sure you guys check out Breck Brew as well. And if you don't know where to get Breck Brew, check out their Breck Brew Locator on their website to see where they have it and enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the Friday with a Breck Brew Friday. Yeah, I'm going to have a Breck Brew, maybe have a Breck Brew late at night while I'm watching some rugby, some super rugby from New Zealand. Of course, uh, sort of the last weekend to enjoy that without having to worry about covering a football team, at least for a while. But if you want to talk about local rugby, both in Colorado and also here in the United States, why don't you check out our coverage of the Colorado Raptors? You may have heard us mention big things happening in Colorado rugby, and the NVR is covering it with our Colton Strickler, keeping you up to date on all things American rugby with a DNVR rugby podcast. Of course, he's got written content right here at DNVR. Recently announced, Infinity Park in Glendale will be the new official training center for the men's and women's USA Eagles 15 teams. That means that Colorado is the place to be for rugby in the United States. The DMVR Rugby Podcast will keep you up to, date with, up to date with everything going on. Of course, it's been the perfect time to learn about rugby during this pause. And if you want to go back and catch up, listen to the podcast because Colton is doing those Rugby 101 podcasts to allow you to understand and learn the game of rugby. Very helpful for me as, I've, as I have happened to dive into rugby down in New Zealand late at night on Friday and Saturday night. Of course, you can watch that, that coverage on ESPN2 as well. And, of course, Colton will bring you interviews with some of the biggest names in American rugby. Download the DNVR Rugby podcast and follow along at DNVR Rugby on Twitter. Let's talk to the people. First one coming in from Yellow Mustard. I'm glad you brought this up, Mace, because it means I don't have to get as fired up on Friday as I otherwise would have. A lot of people have been complaining about us taking two wide receivers to start this year's draft and no tackles at all. They are concerned that we will have a big hole on the line, and that, as a result, we are unlikely to compete at the highest level this season. They are absolutely correct that we have a hole at left tackle, and absolutely correct that we likely can't compete for a Super Bowl. But if we had taken a tackle in the second or third round, that would have not been enough to really change anything. If there's one thing I really have to credit Elway with recently, it's knowing draft classes' strengths years ahead of time. Last season was an all-time tight end class. He took advantage. This season is an all-time wide receiver class. He took advantage. Next season is an all-time tackle class. Expect him to take advantage. He made the right choice by not compromising other positions and taking a mediocre tackle this offseason. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, Puget Sound Bronco then says, I'll tell you you're wrong, but only because you said to. 
<laughs> I totally agree with your point, though, and look forward to how this team will look in another year's time. I just hope that we aren't in position to take number one overall tackle in the draft next year. Otherwise, that means this year would have been unbearable. And that's a great point, although one thing I will say, Puget Sound Bronco, is this. If the Broncos are in position to take a number one tack, the number one tackle in next year's draft, unfortunately, that means they're probably looking long and hard at quarterback. Exactly. Because Drew Locke was not what we all hoped he could be. Yep, exactly. So you're not going to have a number one tackle probably because you'll have a new quarterback in the name of Trevor Lawrence. Um, but yellow mustard, I'll tell you why you're wrong. Mace, was this an all-time defensive line class? This year? Yeah. No. Was this an all-time cornerback class? No. Well, those are two positions that John Elway drafted in the third round. It doesn't mean because it's not an all-time class that you shouldn't draft them, even if one is coming up. I agree with you, Yellow Mustard, about the first round. And I agree with you about the second round. But once you go to the third round, especially just with all of the other circumstances there, right after the draft, you don't pick up Garrett Bowles' fifth-year option. You also say hours after the draft that you have to improve at tackle position, yet you do nothing, nothing all offseason besides get Hunter Watts as an undrafted free agent. That's literally the only move the Broncos made this offseason at tackle yet you say you had to get better at that position. Uh, you knew Garrett Bowles was someone you could rely on, but you said his best ability was availability. You knew Juwan James was not someone you could rely on. So him opting out, I, I shouldn't put those two together, but it's not crazy to say that he could have got hurt and missed a significant amount of games this year because you just saw it last year. So you had to have a plan at swing tackle, and you didn't. You didn't have any plan there, um, or your plan was to get better by not doing anything, and I don't think that's a real plan. So that's, that's where I'm telling you you're wrong. I agree with you, and it's a small step. Do I think they would be in a much better position right now if they had a third-round tackle? Not a much better position, but it's a day-two pick. It's a guy that you should feel comfortable about starting. And maybe you do keep Elijah Wilkinson at left tackle and then Garrett Bowles and Elijah truly get to have a battle there at left tackle. And that's what you wanted in this third round pick is your right tackle. I think you're more hopeful about how things could go. So that's all I'm saying is I don't think you need an all-time elite class to draft someone in the third round. And if the Broncos took a tackle in the third round this year with one of their three third round picks, Mace, they still could have gone and get a tackle in the first round next year. 100%. Count Locula, any chance the Broncos keep number 30 long-term? And if, if so, what happens to make that happen? Also, what advanced numbers have to look like to be considered a top five-ish tight end moving forward? Go Minute Bowl, blocking five shots in a row back in the day. Love the count. All right. <laughs> First of all, on Fant, if it wants to be top five, I think here's what I want to see in the stat line that would allow me to say, yeah, definitely top five. Over 15 yards a catch, 800-plus okay. yards receiving. That was the number I was going to point to, Mace, was 800. If he gets to 800, you are thrilled out of your mind, and he's not that far away. I mean, based on last year, it's very possible. Yeah, and he's close on the yards per catch as well, 15, because I want to see him making some big plays. Well, if you go and look at the tight ends uh, the last couple of years – 
and say, okay, how did they fare? I went through all the tight ends that had at least 500 yards receiving over the last couple of seasons. And Zach, those, those years you had in the last two years, 32 guys that had 500 yard seasons in the last couple of years. And Noah Fant's per catch average at 14.05 was sixth among those 32. Wow. Yep. Just borderline of that top five. That's impressive. He's close. He's close. And, and for your other question count right now, uh, I'm, I don't like to say it, but I am not optimistic about Philip Lindsay being here long-term, but it, it is possible. And I think it starts, it could start this year, but I think he needs to be the number one guy at some point in these next two years. And he can't take Melvin Gordon over and then lose that. He needs to take Melvin Gordon over and then keep that, show the Broncos that he's reliable. Um, and also have the Broncos show him that they value him more than a $7 million player. That's how I see it happening. I know Ryan is very optimistic that Philip Lindsay is going to be the number one guy this year. I think Philip Lindsay is going to have to be out of this world and Melvin Gordon's going to have to be disappointing in order for that to happen. It's not going to be a fair competition because the money's not fair. Yeah, I would agree. And huh, I won't close the door on it, but, He's got to be the running back one. And unfortunately, that may require Melvin Gordon being hurt at some point. Right, right. And Philip Lindsay stepping in and being the number one back and then just rolling from there. So Exactly. Next up, Kodiak, no fly zone. Hey, guys, haven't commented in a while. I kicked COVID-19's butt a few months back, and I'm feeling good. Oh man! Congratulations! So happy to hear that. Great to hear that. And now I have another baby girl on the way in less than two weeks. Well, congratulations Ooh. there too. Yes, congrats. I have a few questions regarding the financial part of this season that I'm worried about. For instance, if they are at twenty percent of capacity or no fans at all, that's a big hit to the cap. Correct. Now, what happens if they don't get the viewership to uphold the TV contracts? If that's even a thing, will the cap go even lower? Or would they just cancel the season? Please, I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy, just a worried fan. Thanks for all the hard work you guys do. Much love and stay safe, Kodiak. Well, first of all, what when we talk about the TV money, if they provide the inventory, the television networks, then the burden is on them to sell the ad time to make up for the rights that have already been paid. Now, those rights fees, they they'll 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 be a hit and there will be a give back if there are games and weeks that are canceled because then they just simply won't have in inventory. The networks are paying for, you know, they're paying for a 17 week season. They're paying for X amount of Monday night football games, Thursday night football games, et cetera. So if you have cancellations, that means you are cutting into that. And then you have, and that's where it would affect the revenue. But if there are fewer viewers, that's going to be a problem for the networks. Because as long as the NFL is creating the games, then it's on the networks and the networks be feeling the pinch because maybe the ad revenue goes down if there are fewer viewers. I do not think there are going to be fewer viewers <laughs> no. for no. football this year. I mean, look at what happened when baseball came back and ESPN right out of the blocks that first night for Thursday night, that Thursday night game with the Yankees and Washington had their highest number in years Yeah, for a regular season game. Yeah. I. And I think right now, 
you know, maybe they're saying, oh, well, some of the numbers are down across the board. Well, right now we've got a glut. So take, take the numbers of the NBA, add them all up. I mean, we're having, we have a glut of NBA games, a glut of NHL games, uh, uh, baseball games galore. We have stuff, we have so much going on right now that it's going to kind of temper it a little bit. One thing that helps football, frankly, is that you're going to get to mid-October. And in mid-October, you'll have the Stanley Cup Finals and the NBA Finals, and then the, the, spit, then, then the faucet's going to turn off until at least December. Yeah. And you may not have college football. Right. And, and, and if all of a sudden you're looking there, and, yeah, October could be interesting because you could have the Stanley Cup Finals, the NBA Finals, and the World Series and the baseball playoffs all going on then. In October, you might take a hit. But if you don't have college football, boy, November and December, you might be taking in Godzilla ratings, <laughs> huge right. ratings. Yeah, yeah. And Mace- trampling over the television landscape, especially the other thing is that you get to November and December, you're past the election. And that's another thing, too, that could suck the oxygen out of the room. So I think what you might see, Zach, is ratings be a little bit disappointing early in the season, but then late in the season be massive. Yeah, and Mace, also something on top of uh, the other sports ratings right now is what we talking about Wednesday at 1030. We're talking about how there was hockey on TV, NHL and NBA are playing games Monday through Friday in the daytime. That is never a good time for TV viewership, but that's something they had to do to get games in. The NFL is not going to be doing that. You're not going to be getting a Tuesday noon game. It's all going to be prime time or Sunday. So I think the NFL is going to pull in absolutely massive ratings, but it is a very good question, Kodiak No Fly Zone. So what it all means for the cap. No matter what the fan attendance is this year, no matter what those TV uh, deals are in terms of if they play 16 games, if they play five games, the cap won't be lower than $175 million next year, which is a hit to what it was this year. Uh, it's about 12% of a hit because it's roughly around $200 million this year, so it could go down $25 million, which, of course, the NFL is not used to the cap ever going down, but it's not like it would tank. So that would make a burden for pretty much every team in the NFL, but it wouldn't be absolutely catastrophic. Right. And if you did not have that $175 million floor, you would have been looking at the cap dropping to as much as a dropping down as much as 70 plus million dollars. So in that 120 to $125 million range, or even maybe dropping to, 157 million and that was an early estimate based on a an initially projected loss of three billion dollars in revenue divided by 32 teams and then taking the percentage of the money that was going to go to player salaries so they are spreading the hit over a few years and that means zach when you get on the back side of this cross your fingers that uh, we assume normal or whatever new normal becomes in the wake of this pandemic, whether it means just adjusting to it or having a vaccine or therapeutic treatments. What that means is that revenue may take a huge bump positively in 2021 and then 2022 when new contracts for television and streaming rights kick in, but you're not going to see that immediately have a huge impact on the salary cap because they're going to spread it out to make sure they mitigate the losses from this year, which means in the short term, 
NFL teams may have to borrow a little bit more money to make sure they're in good shape and can get to $175 million next year. But earlier this year, the NFL owners, when they had their being, did allow teams to take on another $150 million of debt to get by. So their debt ceiling is now $500 million. Right. Yep. Yep. So. Really good point, Mace. Puget Sound Bronco says, greetings again from the PNW. Been a while since I've commented on here, but I had a question pop into my head as I was daydreaming on my lunch break of Drew Locke hoisting the Lombardi at the end of this season when our beloved Broncos win Super Bowl 55. A guy can dream, right? Anyway, my question. When, oops, I mean, if the Broncos win the Super Bowl this year, would Juwan James still get a ring or any other player who opted out if their team wins? Oh, and by the way, I listened to the Dalton Reisner interview, and he definitely said what you thought about him leading Garrett Bowles. That's all for today, gentlemen. Stay safe and have a wonderful weekend. And here is what Dalton Reisner said. I'll be honest. I probably didn't provide as much leadership as I wanted to my rookie year. I feel like with Garrett being on the left side, I feel like I provided him with some leadership. I feel like he would say that too. Wow. Wow. Definitely wow. But one reason why Garrett... Reisner said what you thought what Zach thought he'd say about Garrett Bowles is you know what we recorded that after we heard from Garrett Bowles and Justin and Justin Simmons so uh, just not really all that clairvoyant just because we but we had heard him first now as for the Super Bowl ring there hasn't been any official determination on that I would imagine that those players would not get a ring because yeah. typically to get a ring you have to play or be on the practice squad or or be involved on the day-to-day at some point in the season, I imagine they would treat it kind of like a player who held out for a year. So I'll, I'll give you a name. Do you remember Todd Bell? He doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Todd Bell held out. He played for the Chicago Bears. He held out in 1985, the year the Bears – won Super Bowl 20, and then he came back in 1986. You talk about the wrong year to hold out. He played nine Seriously. seasons in the league. He, he played – or eight seasons in the league, pardon me. Six with the Bears, two with the Eagles when he followed Buddy Ryan out there after Ryan became the defensive coordinator. And the year he held out, the year he missed, was a Super Bowl year. Now, obviously, COVID-19 opt-outs, different circumstance than just the guy who's holding out, but I do think that – in all likelihood, if you don't play, if you're not part of the team, you're not getting a ring if they win at all. Yeah, especially because the, the opt-outs happen right now, Mace. Uh, it, it wouldn't it, – it's not like the opt-outs happen in the middle of the season. So, so I agree. Well, Mace, one thing there's no opting out of is shaving below the belt. You got to do it. And there's no better tool for the family jewels than Manscaped and that Lawnmower 3.0. It's the best product out there. That's why I have to tell you about it for a second time in this podcast because the Lawnmower 3.0 is that good, guys. 90 minute battery life, waterproof, and everything that comes with the Perfect Package 3.0. The Crop Reviver is like having a cologne down there. The Crop Preserver is fantastic deodorant and moisturizer and you get the disposable shaving mats 
You get everything that comes with the Perfect Package 3.0, including the Lawnmower 3.0, and the Shears 2.0 Nail Kit allows you to pluck your eyebrows and trim your nails in style. This is something you need. Just like a haircut is something you need, you need the Perfect Package 3.0. Couple it with the Shears 2.0 Nail Kit, and you'll be set to go. And again, that magical code DNVR20 gets you 20% off and free shipping over at manscaped.com. So hit up manscaped.com, DNVR20, 20% off and free shipping. You know, if you use Manscaped, you have a little pep in your step, but what also gives you some pep in your step, Zach, is a little coffee. Hey. And what will make you feel better, take care of some of those aches and pains, perhaps, is Strava Craft Coffee because it's infused with CBD. You can purchase it in K-Cups for your Keurig. You can get it in whole bean or ground form as well. Use that magical code DMVR20 and get 20% off. And if you get some stuff from Strava Craft Coffee, tag us. Let us know when you get your purchase. Of course, supporting our partners and supporting us right now. Order it online. It'll ship right to you very fast. You're not going to have to wait very long, but you can also try it at certain spots. Carbon Cafe, Drip Denver, Slow High Coffee, Blue Sparrow, Max Market. And also, I believe, over the DMVR bar, they've got some Strava Craft Coffee as well. And, of course, it's CBD, so you get the benefits of cannabis without all the psychotropic impacts that you would have Otherwise, and CBD has been known to help long-term migraines, decrease anxiety, help with arthritis. Sometimes it's helped me deal with some, some chronic pain as well. I, I am a CBD believer, and if you have Strava Craft Coffee, you'll be a CBD believer as well. Supporting our partners is supporting us, so support Strava Craft Coffee. Use that code DMVR20 and get 20% off when you order. Mm, love it. Mark IT Snatch. Hey, guys, to cap off the AFC South. Which of the games were the best? Next week, we'll move on to the NFC West. All okay, right. I've got to go with the, I've got to go with that playoff game against Houston back in January of '92. The drive two, the drive That's two. That's the one. That's it. Yeah. Enough said. That's that. It's one of the. It's one of the most significant games in Denver Broncos history. Yet another uh, John Elway comeback that you put alongside the drive, and in some ways, because you had a couple of fourth down conversions. In some ways, you could say maybe even even better drive than the one that the Broncos had in Cleveland on that on that cold winter day to get them to Super Bowl Twenty One. Certainly, certainly. Oh, Dan Burke with the Calvin Anderson next to it. I love it. He says, "Mace, I'm going to have to respectfully disagree with what you said about the Broncos' offensive line having a ceiling as the 20th best in the NFL." People are underrating Elijah Wilkinson and acting like he's another Donald Stevenson. I know he had his struggles early in the season when Flacco was a quarterback, but that was true of the entire offensive line. I watched the All-22 of the Browns game. He went up against Miles Garrett, who, in my opinion, is the biggest athletic freak at edge in the NFL. And Garrett finished the game with zero sacks, zero hits, and one pressure on his 21 pass rush snaps. Now... There was some tight end chipping here and there from Fant, but Fant was still a factor in the passing game. So that it's, so it's not likely that was his solely there to protect Wilkinson. Elijah played similarly well against Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram in Drew's game. He has his struggles against speed rushers, but the only true speed rusher he's likely to face all year are Harold Landry and Vic Beasley in week one. Vic hasn't even reported to the Titans, and I doubt he'll be ready by week one. If he ends up reporting, he actually did just report today, but I understand what you're saying. And the Broncos went up against Landry last season, and he was largely ineffective as a pass rusher. 
can't shake the fact that the three separate offensive coordinators, Musgraves, Gangarello, and now Shermer, as well as Munchak, have the utmost confidence in him. There's clearly something there that fans aren't seeing with him. Okay, well, that Browns game in particular, remember that was Brandon Allen starting, and that was a you know protect him at all costs game plan. Make sure you don't put him in some bad situations. So, yeah, they were, they were chipping with Noah Fant, and they were taking their chances with Olivier Vernon, who, by the way, beat Garrett Bowles and nearly destroyed Brandon Allen there on the touchdown pass that he had when he threw it to Noah Fant. So I, th- I think with Wilkinson, they, he has stuck around. His primary attribute to me is his versatility. They can go inside and outside, but I don't see utmost confidence in him just yet. The other thing is I know that there's still some concern about how he's going to come back from that injury and the surgery, the follow-up surgery that he had in May. And so I think that's where some of the concern is coming from as well as the, the state of his his ankle and uh, what that's going to look like and whether he's all the way back a hundred percent when he's in pass protection. So I'd sleep a lot, a lot better if there was someone else in that room. Yep. Yep. I would too. And Mace, I just, I don't know. I'm not sold on him, but I am happy Dan Burke that you brought this up because I've seen a lot of people say that they have confidence in Elijah and I don't know. Right. Tackle was not a good position for the Broncos last year. Yeah. Not at all. So I think it was sort of overshadowed with Garrett Bowles' struggle on the left side, but in the long haul, did not do very well. The other Ryan. My boys. What's in the cards today? I feel good or fired up Friday. Will there be any squeaky bump talk? The options, like Russell Wilson referencing the excruciatingly painful video about his new alter ego that he posted in social media this week, are unlimited. <laughs> it's my turn to have a pandemic birthday, which will take place on Sunday. Happy birthday. I am looking forward to consuming my once-a-year homemade chicken fried steak paired with some mashed potatoes and a lathe of sweet corn. If Cushenberry ends up being the starter, he'd be the only, only the second Broncos rookie since the 1970 merger to start at center week one. J.D. Walton, a third-round pick in 2010, started 16 games for Denver's rookie. Who are the five best rookies to start the majority of their rookie seasons along each offensive line position for the Broncos? I'll go with Ryan Clady, Dalton Reiser, J.D. Walton, Zane Beatles, and Orlando Franklin. Acknowledging that Beatles did not play right guard, was mostly a left guard. He also played some at right tackle his rookie season. I think that Cushenberry could dethrone Walton in this list by season's end. It's a shame that Walton incurred the injury they did in 2012. I think he was on his way to becoming another great Broncos center. Have a wonderful weekend. DN the Army, salute. Okay. I think Walton was just okay. I don't think he was on his way to becoming a great Broncos center. Um, the injury was unfortunate, no doubt. But, yeah. I think Cushenberry could dethrone him and be the best rookie Broncos center that we've seen. I think so too. And and I like the rest of your, your groups there and man, especially Ryan Clady, you want to talk about injuries derailing an all time great career. That, that is one right there. 100%. Next one from LDJ. Incredible insight yesterday. Just reassures what I already felt. Dalton, Cortland, Justin, Phil, Drew, they are this team's leaders. We aren't winning a Super Bowl without them and them imposing a new culture of winning. I hope Elway understands that when it's time to pay those guys. Watching Justin Simmons' interview made me feel speechless, where I said this dude is so bright, calculated, educated, and cerebral. He's the future of your defense. He starts by respectfully thanking the media and putting context to where his intentions are and where his focus lies. It was awesome. Unfortunately, first question, someone still had to go with the contract talk. Someone still needed a soundbite. 
and what the heck is wrong with Cliss? Hey, Justin, I have evolved in how you may express yourself in more than one way. What's this dude's problem? What is that supposed to mean? Shake my head. Anyways, if Elway had a certain theme leadership-wise in the way he's been drafting, do you think that he sees that Dalton, Justin, Cortland, and Phil Drew are your future leaders? Yeah, that was interesting. Cliss thought he said something funny that was going to get Justin Simmons to smile, and it was just dead silence on the line. <laughs> you know, oh, as, man. as journalists, Mace, we can get to know these guys in the locker room, mm-hmm. and you can be buddy-buddy with them, and you can you know, say something to make them laugh, but press conferences – especially over zoom are not places to be to be joking in fact i want to say almost once per zoom that we've done since you know unofficial training camp has started someone's tried to crack a joke uh, to a player and those just haven't worked and neither of them have been you or me we're not trying to crack jokes we know yeah i just like to get right to the point i know time is precious that's what players trying want to get too. a lot of people in just here's my question boom Let's let's go on. Let's yep. make this happen. <laughs> yeah, that was that was painful. Uh, you know, I guess I'm just a local blogger. What do I know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Mace, are these are will John understand that these are the young leaders when it's time to pay them? Hope so, and uh, hope that the salary cap is uh, getting to the point where you're going to have plenty of room to do it. And, Certainly, I think it will be. I think right, we're seeing the offensive leaders, they'll get paid in the next go-round. Right now, it's defensive guys getting paid. There should be room to make it happen. I think yep. he will. Yep. Um, yeah, there, there's de- there definitely will be room. Um, and he's drafted well, and the good thing about drafting well is you got to pay those guys. Just don't be afraid yep. to. Exactly. And finally, Big Tony. My boys! It's been a minute, so I'll give you a quick update. Therona put me out of the Uber Lyft business in Vegas, so with no other job and at least due to be re-signed just two weeks after the initial shutdown in March, I unfortunately had no other choice but to move back home to Utah. Bleh. Anyways, question for Mace. Week 12 in 2002. Broncos hosted the Colts on Sunday Night Football in a blizzard. This was the first game I attended as an eight-year-old. Question is, what interesting nugget about Broncos history happened for the first time in that game? All right, that's a good question. Well, the obvious one is that they wore orange with the new template of uniform for the first time. With alter- the orange then alternate uniform, that was the first time we'd seen the Broncos wear it sin- and really wear orange jerseys since January of 97 against the Jaguars. That orange jersey, of course, now is the primary jersey, but it was the first time that we saw the orange with the blue side swooshes. Wow, that is incredible. Of course, of course, I knew that too. Easy, yeah. easy trivia. Of course, question. maybe the interesting <laughs> nugget is something else that I'm not thinking of. I but... think that's the interesting nugget. I think you nailed it, Mace. Okay. And Mace, we had a buzzer beater coming in. Mile High Magic 94. Hey, guys, me and my best friend are going to start a podcast. It's super exciting, but also overwhelming. Any tips on how to gain momentum as a brand new podcast? Hmm. I would say I wish RK was here. He's better at this than I am. I'd say the biggest thing is consistency. Uh, you you got to let your listeners know 
at when you're going to release it and you got to stick with that. You know, our timing has become consistent, but what I'm really talking about is Monday through Friday. You guys know we're going to have a podcast five days a week after a Broncos game, sometimes six times a week during training camp, sometimes seven times a week, whenever the Broncos are there, we're there. We don't take weeks, months off. Some podcasts are in, then they're out. Consistency is key. And also what I would say, something that we try to do and I, I really try to do on here, have fun. Have fun with it. This is, um, you know, news at times, but it's entertainment. We're here uh, to have fun. We're here to have fun with you guys. So th those would be my tips for you. Well put. Well put. And, and when we're having fun, Mace, we want to see some white teeth. And Green Mountain Dental can help you do that. Help keep those pearly whites pearly white and green mountain dental out in lakewood is the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area and they're extreme colorado sports fans just like all of us they're only a 15 minute drive from downtown denver so make sure to check them out and if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam you'll receive a free sonicare toothbrush that's right all you have to do is go to the dentist for them to hand over a free sonicare toothbrush so schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam over at green mountain dental get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush. Well, that'll do it for us this week. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Thank you guys so much for rolling with us. Thank you so much for leaving your comments. Thank you so much for all the love. We truly appreciate every single one of you and can't wait to talk to you next weekend. But that'll do it for this week. Thank you so much for rolling with us, guys. Have a fantastic Breck Brew Friday and have a fantastic weekend.